0: Check us out online, packer.net.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today's a little bit of a grab bag, even though we're basically still talking coaches and free agents. Um, one massive res- re- oh, blah, 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 blah. revelation. I don't edit nothing. <laughs> I keeps it raw. I keeps it real. One big thing that finally clicked in my brain. Which is weird because that's just how I sort of learn stuff. Like I, I ask a question, it's like, that eh, it doesn't make any sense, I don't get it. And then all of a sudden I read it like for the fourth time and it's like, that makes perfect sense. How did I not understand that last time? Basically I finally figure out this June 1st thing. It's actually really straightforward. Sometimes people use big words when they don't need to use big words and I get hung up on the big word and if I would just pay attention to what they're saying as opposed to that big word and getting angry that they're using unnecessary big words, it's pretty simple to understand. But um, I want to look at a couple different things um, now that I understand this. First of all, I said I was going to talk about Antonio Brown, and I never did, which is actually good because I've had a little bit more time to digest that and think about it. And now that I understand this whole June 1st thing, I actually have a different opinion on how they're going to handle it and the implications of that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But also now I want to look at uh, some of the other players we have um, because I was mistaken about how that whole thing works and then what the best situation and how to handle things would be beyond that. So with this new understanding, I want to look at, you know, guys like Nick Perry and Brian Balaga, guys that are still under contract that we may be moving on from and what some of the implications of that could be. And then I want to look a little bit more into some coaches because I took a pretty big poll. I generated it in the Packernet podcast Facebook group, which I would encourage you to get in. But I also cast it around to a couple other bigger packer groups because I wanted this to be as big as possible. I didn't get, and I mean, I was hoping. Look, some of these groups got like 24,000 people or whatever. I was hoping to get several hundred people responding, but I got like I don't know, 40, <laughs> maybe I don't even think that many, 25ish. But the point is, there are some clear favorites and um, a whole bunch of nobody cares. So talk about that. Hopefully, that'll be uh, that'll be about that. Before we get there, however. Patreon.com if you'd like to support the channel for as little as a buck a month. Otherwise, if you check the description, there is a link to a one-time donation if you'd rather go that direction. Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. I mentioned the Facebook group. Be sweet if you got in there. NFLBigBoard.com for all the latest and greatest. Still haven't done my big update yet. I gotta do that. Working on other stuff. I'll get there. But for those new to the club... It's basically a giant aggregation of NFL big boards around the web, all pulled into one, so you get sort of an updated and consensus big board. Uh, YouTube channel. I have not got a video up, but it would be cool if you check it out. Subscribe. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. Obviously, this and the podcast and the website are my big ventures. 2019 started. I don't have a specific goal for this year yet. I'll figure it out. I don't. It's you know, you don't need a goal, but it's kind of nice. It gives you something to something to be excited about, trying to hit targets and whatnot. And subscribers to Pack Daddy NFL YouTube channel is going to be one of them, so go ahead and hit that little red button if you wouldn't mind. Finally, if you do have a question for the show, you can call or text 608-501-0718. I have some that are lying in wait. I will get to those questions. But if you have anything, whether it's contract-related, um, free agency-related, you want to know me to go back and look at stuff throughout the season, whether it's the Packers or another team, talking about the NFC North, talking about 2019, the draft, whatever, call or text 608-501-0718. All right, so let me start by explaining to you um, what we're dealing with here as far as dead cap money. So let's just take Antonio Brown, because I want to launch into that and my thoughts on that anyways. So Antonio Brown signed a $68 million contract with only $19 million in guarantees. I was pretty shocked when I actually read the details of this. And he signed a $19 million signing bonus, meaning they only guaranteed him $19 million, and they basically cut him a $19 million check right then and there. So if I'm not mistaken, if Antonio Brown signs it, takes the $19 million, puts it in his pocket, walks outside, slips and falls and breaks his back, he's done, and he's not getting any more money, because there you go, go cash your check and go live somewhere else. Go buy a beach house and... uh you know, enjoy the rest of your life because we're we're done with you. However, what the team then does is they don't take the nineteen million and just put it all on their cap this year. You can take bonuses and kind of break it up and split it up over the length of the contract. beyond that, they did some other stuff they uh, adjusted his contract to free up some money in 2018 so they pushed some money out. But the bottom line is there's just a there's certain money that he isn't necessarily getting paid. But is is counting against the salary cap. So all that being said, what is left on their cap is twenty one million dollars one hundred twenty one million one hundred twenty thousand dollars. That's what's left, not what's getting paid to Antonio Brown necessarily. That's just what's left. Uh, you know that that's what's going to count against their salary cap, which is kind of amazing to me that you have your. <laughs> You, you, you guarantee the guy $19 million and uh, you have $21 million counting against the cap in 19. But w- whatever. I'm sure their financial people are very intelligent and know what they're doing. Essentially what it is, though, is if you cut somebody, you have to pay the money that you owe. Again, this isn't necessarily going to Brown. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's not really the point. Here's the situation, though. If he stays on the team, the dead cap money, which doesn't really mean anything is split up 7 million dollars a year right it's it's not dead because they're he's not leaving but I'm just I'm just letting you know the 21 million dollars comes from 7 million dollars over 3 years when you cut somebody that this is what I didn't understand that the dead money doesn't haunt you for the rest of the contract so you know if if you owe a guy let's say you sign somebody to a 10 year contract and you know it would be a million dollars of dead money you can't cut him And then you you get penalized a million dollars on your cap for the next 10 years. That's not how that works. Essentially, they're going to take that million dollars a year, accelerate it into this year, and you owe $10 this year, nothing next year. The June 1st designation is just sort of a trigger date. Think of it like a, uh, a a, a new fiscal year. So let's take that same example of $10 million or $1 million over 10 years. If you cut or trade somebody after June 1st, all that means is you, you owe the $1 million for 2018 or, or 2019, right? Your 2019 fiscal year ended June 1st. doesn't really make sense, but just listen. You would owe the $1 million for 2019. So you'd only take a $1 million cap hit. So if you've got a bunch of money that you need, you don't want to cut them prior to June 1st because you're going to have $10 million come off your cap and you want to save as much as you can. So you cut them um, after June 1st, that way you... Only are being penalized a million dollars for this year in 2019, but it then accelerates into next year, meaning one million this year, nine million next year, and that's it. And then after that, it's off the books. So, in the case of Antonio Brown, my contention was it makes sense to cut him after June 1st, because my then understanding was essentially it would be seven million over three years, but that's not the case. They have two options if they decide to cut or trade him. The options are you cut him or trade him, let's say, between now and, you know, the day before June 1st. I don't know how many days are in May. I don't care. If you cut him then, in 2019, you take a $21 million bath. Now, you're still saving a million dollars because your cap hit with him on the team is 22 So basically, you're shaving $1 million off, but it's not cool to have a $21 million cap hit on a guy that's not on your team. And that's where sometimes we talk about like, oh, we get to save like a million bucks. If we cut them, we should cut them. Yeah, but you, dude, no. Like, would you rather have a guy for 10 or get rid of him and then pay nine? I mean, it's like, it's like buying a car, driving it off the lot and selling it. And then saying, we just made a bunch of money. It's like, that's not how that works, man. You took a huge bath on that. You paid 50 grand, you drove it off, and then you sold it for like, what, 38 you didn't make 12000 you didn't save 12000 you just lost a ton of money. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, and you have to make the best decision you can with what you got. Now, here's the reason I think it makes more sense to do it now. If you look at 2019 and their free agent, let me, let me put it this way, 2019 as of right now, with everything as it is, they have $28.6 million in cap space. This is according to over the cap. If you look at their free agents, the only real big money free agent they have is Le'Veon Bell, and they're not signing him back. So if they were to move on from Antonio Brown, it would go from what, 28 to 29 million. Now you don't have your wide receiver, which really, really hurts. But if you're not going to have him anyways, you're not going to have him. After that, you got guys like uh, Ramon Foster, who's you know a decent offensive lineman, but he's what is he? He's 33 years old. I don't know if he's getting a contract. Tyson Alualu, a 4-3 defensive end, he's 32, going to be 33. Ryan Shazier, I'm assuming, is not going to be getting any more money from them. There's, just, there's no real big deal, and you'd rather kind of just take the hit now. And then, the great thing is, you get them entirely off the books next year. So what that means is you're saving yourself in 2020 $18.340 million off the books. Why is that so beneficial? If you look at the 2020 free agents, who's sitting there? Big Ben Roethlisberger. They're already talking about how, you know, Big Ben's going to hold out and he's going to want all this money, and maybe they're going to try to move on, but I just don't believe that anymore. I, I thought Philip Rivers was leaving. Sounds like he wants to stay. Ben Roethlisberger, I thought he was supposed to retire like two years ago because he was pouting and having a bad year. Suddenly he wants to stick around. Tom Brady's supposed to be gone. He's not leaving. Flacco won't leave. None of these guys want to leave, ever. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about it. It kind of makes sense. You know, you're, you're not as young as you used to be, but... If somebody's willing to just throw $25 bucks at you and say, okay, fine, here, why not? I mean, he's 38, or at least will be in 2020. I'm not sure if that's what this is telling me, and I don't care enough to actually look it up. But again, so what? If my job is to kind of stand and hop around and occasionally run once in a while and huff and puff, you know, I take some hits, but uh, yeah, what's one more year and another $25, 30000000 million? Why not? But if it, bottom line is, if they have any intention of bringing him back, freeing up $18 million from Antonio Brown, who's supposed to be on the books, is very obviously going to help. Maybe they've already planned this out, maybe they've already got it, but listen, as many problems as you've had, and as bad as your salary cap management seems to be, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it always seems to be a nightmare over there. Then again, I suppose everybody's salary cap is a mess when you pay a bunch of money to somebody and they all just say, eh, not playing now. But in 2020, the highest-paid player on your team is Antonio Brown, and, uh, you know, until you re-sign your quarterback. But then you have 18 million-dollar Antonio Brown. You're going to have 30-some million-dollar uh, Ben Roethlisberger, David DeCastro's 13, Stefan Tuit is 13, Cameron Hayward is 13. There's a lot of money sitting out here. And again, taking your highest-paid guy off when, when I mean, if it really gets to the point that he's saying, "I don't want to be there. I'm not coming back," you have to make the decision. Right? You can't drive the brand new car you bought anymore for whatever reason. You know, you you went out and swiped your dad's credit card and bought a car, and dad's like, nope, nope, fix this, fix this, or I'm erasing you. That's all there is to it. I don't know. Make up your own fun little fantasy. This isn't what the Steelers want, but the Steelers are in a mess, and they have to make a decision. And from where I'm sitting... They don't, they're not in a big pinch. Now, obviously, you can go out and sign free agents with a little bit of extra money. But again, the other option is you take a $7 million bath, which is great because you free up $15 million in 2019. So maybe you can spend a little bit of extra money, but then you got to pay out $14 million. So next year, you've only got $4 million off the books and a $14 million dead cap hit at the same time as you have to pay Ben Roethlisberger so I, I really think it comes down to two things they reconcile and they keep him, or don't reconcile and keep them, whatever they, they basically just say we're not trading you so sorry play don't play whatever and they basically do the same thing they did with Le'Veon Bell which you know kind of sort of makes sense because uh if I'm not mistaken they got all the Le'Veon Bell money back so not the worst way to handle that actually Although you'd kind of like to have that around free agency time, not have it tied up in a guy that's not going to play and then get it back at the end of the year when nobody cares. But whatever. That's my thinking. And and the only reason it really matters is because after June 1st is kind of after the free agency flurry takes place, right? March 11th through the 13th is when teams can contact and start, you know, entering into negotiations with, with unrestricted guys. March 13th, 4 p.m., that's it, man let the games begin free agency period is antonio brown going to be on the market come march 13th at 4 o'clock p.m. new york time and even if he's not that's also the time when you can start trading people so but the point is is he available or not and i think he's available whether it's that they cut him or trade him which why would they cut him they're they're obviously very obviously going to trade him because the cool thing is for the steelers not only Does this solve a couple problems? You get rid of Antonio Brown, who's not going to be playing anyways, and you free up money for Ben Roethlisberger. But even if you want to just say no and be stubborn, here's the thing, though. If you trade him, you get compensation in addition. So not only are you freeing up extra money, but you get additional compensation. What does additional compensation look like? Well, you could obviously trade for a player, or you know we're talking March 13th here, if you make a deal... That might ha- help you come April 25th through the 27th, which if you didn't know, that would be when the NFL draft is. So here, here's the thing. Another thing that my friend was asking me is, how realistic is it really that the Packers end up with Antonio Brown? And I, <laughs> my answer was better than one in 32, which is to say, kind of, in, in a sense, sort of better than 50-50. I know they're very different numbers, but it, it's not... Is it, it? Do you have a better chance than most teams or a worse chance than most teams? I think it's better than most teams. Part of that equate, well, there, there's two, three pieces of this equation for another team. Okay, four. With one being, are you willing to deal with his nonsense, right? He's kind of a flying off the, the handles, kind of a weird dude, whatever. Maybe not a great locker room guy. Be that as it may, that's number one. Here's the other three that count, though. Number one, do you have a GM that's willing to go all in on a guy like Antonio Brown. I think we do in Brian Gutekunst if he identifies him as an important asset, somebody that can really take us to the next level. That's question number one. Question number two, is wide receiver a need for this team? I think it absolutely is. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I think a major part of the problem in the past year is that we had Devontae Adams and pretty much nobody maybe when we had Aaron Jones, we had the option to run Aaron Jones, but we never really decided to run anyways. So it was pretty much just Devontae Adams all year. That's not to say nobody else had any value whatsoever. Marquez and EQ and, and, you know, Cobb and Graham and Geronimo for like a half a minute. These guys all have some value, but none of these guys are a threat. So yes, I do think that is a a major piece. Then number three is, do you have the adequate compensation? Now everybody has compensation. They, They could give up Let's just say he's worth a mid-to-late first-round pick. I just think Amari Cooper was a late first-round pick, and everybody said that was, that was too much. But Antonio Brown, it probably makes a little bit of sense. Well, anybody can give up their first, or next year's first, or you know whatever. However, there's only two teams who have multiples this year, and teams are going to want you know, the Steelers, if they're going to get rid of a guy, especially this year when they have a salary cap issue, they want a draft pick right now this year. Well, there's two teams, the Oakland Raiders and the Green Bay Packers, that have those first-round picks. So a lot of other teams maybe don't want to give up a first-round this year. So I I really do think Oakland and Green Bay would be the number one and number two teams. I really do. Because this isn't a financial thing, in my opinion. Maybe for some teams, if you don't have any money. But let me put it this way. Let's say Antonio Brown was already on this team. And let's say he was due a contract. Or or forget it. Let's let's just say in, in... He's on our team. He's got the same numbers, the same stats. Next year, he's going to count 17 million dollars against our cap, right? He's just going to max out. Is there a single person that is a Packers fan that's looking at it going, "We should cut this guy, man. 17 million, that's too much, or 15 million, or 12, you know, whatever. It's it's a big number. He's he's getting paid, you know, more than just about anybody but Aaron Rodgers on this team." Does anybody look at one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and says, I just don't know if we should be paying that much? Right? No. Nobody's ever doing that. Nobody's going to say he's not worth that money. Nobody's going to be looking at it going, Ugh, we can't sign any more free agents because of Antonio Brown. Ugh. So... What's the difference if we pick him up and pay him that? And, and I don't exactly understand how this works. However, if I look at his contract, I know typically what it is is the team that takes him takes on his base salary. His base salary in 2019 is $12,625,000. 2020, $11 million. 2021, $12.5 million. If that's the I mean, this is, he's basically free. That's, that's silly, silly money. That, that's nothing for a guy like Antonio Brown. Now, the question is, and I don't know how much power Antonio Brown has in this, but for a guy who's throwing a temper tantrum, similar to what happened with Khalil Mack, you may have to try to enter into some kind of negotiations. Now, the difference is, Khalil Mack was due a contract anyway, so you kind of have to finalize a deal anyways before you would bring him in, so you have to talk to his agent. The question is, would Antonio Brown want that up front? And even though he technically doesn't have any power in this, the team that's initiating a trade wants to make sure that Antonio Brown wants to be here and isn't going to throw a fit here as well. And if you finalize a deal with Pittsburgh and you say, I'm not paying him any more money, he's getting $12 million this year, and that's the end of it. And Antonio Brown says, well, you should have talked to me because I'm not playing for $12 million. Not that he's ever indicated that. He's never had a problem with his salary. Apparently he has a problem with the coach and the quarterback. But I would assume that's something you'd maybe want to work out, and maybe part of the deal would be to renegotiate a contract with Antonio Brown. However, if that's not the case, again, money is not at $12 million, 12.6, and we've got him for the next three years. His contract is a three-year contract. So you have Antonio Brown for 2019, 2020, and 2021. The most we're going to be paying him is $12.6 million. And all we have to do is give up our first-round pick, let me tell you right now, I'm taking it. In a second. Not, I don't want to give up our early first-round pick. I will give up the Saints pick for that in a heartbeat. I know I was very anti-Le'Veon Bell. Part of the reason I was anti-Le'Veon Bell is I didn't like his attitude. You're getting similar attitude with Antonio Brown, and I will tell you that it makes me nervous. And I will tell you that with Gutekunst and his hesitation and dislike of players like that, there is a good chance he would just say no. But I can tell you that my answer would be yes. And I really don't have very much hesitation about it. Especially in this year when we're going out and getting a brand new head coach and, and we're, we're kind of winding down on Aaron Rodgers' career and, and all these things are kind of coming into play. I mean, you, you, gotta, you, you have to be concerned. You want things to really take off. And, and, and also, if, if things don't go well immediately, things can devolve quickly. Let's say we go out and get Josh McDaniels. Very strong-headed guy. He comes in here, but we don't have very good players. The team comes out and they come out flat. We lose three in a row. Aaron Rodgers and McDaniels already don't like each other. They've already lost the locker room. This is a disaster. This is important for more than one reason. And it's, like I've said, winning kind of solves a lot of problems. And if you want McDaniels and Rodgers to get along, one of the best ways to do that is to build chemistry through winning. You don't want to get off... Those first impressions are going to make a big difference. Not to say you can't patch stuff up over time, but I think coming out of the gate hot and... um, you know, if if you can come out instead of going 0 and 3, go 3 and 0, and you're blowing some people out of the water, and you beat a divisional opponent, and suddenly everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers is back, and and Gutfeld is the greatest GM of all time. This, this is this is as big as Charles Woodson. This this is the signing that's going to take them back to the Super Bowl. You're getting all this hype because they went out and got Antonio Brown. It was a prudent move. It was it was genius, and and you know that that. That trade with the Saints is going to prove to be one of the greats because he used that to get Antonio Brown, and that's what turned this thing around. I mean, it's this has massive implications. And again, a lot of this is just coming out hot. Bless you. Get the ball rolling, get it going real hot. And, and listen, Antonio Brown is one of the most can't-miss players that you can find. He's gone over 1,000 yards every year since 2013. The last time he didn't, Or actually, the only times he hasn't gone was 2010 in his rookie year. He played nine games and went for 167 yards. And remember, he was like a sixth-round pick. He was a nobody. Nobody cared. Comes out in 2011, plays all 16 games. Only started three, played all 16. 124 targets, 69 receptions, 1,108 yards, 16.1 yards per reception, two touchdowns. Again, only started three games. 2012, he only played in 13, started 10. 106 targets, 66 receptions, 787 yards, 11.9 yards per reception, 5 touchdowns. 2013, 16 games, 1,499 yards, 8 touchdowns. 2014, played 16 games, 1,698 yards, 13 touchdowns. Oh my goodness. And ladies and gentlemen, that's with Ben Roethlisberger. No disrespect, he's a good quarterback. He's not quite Aaron Rodgers, though. And they've got some good stuff over there, but I don't think Antonio Brown has ever played with, oh my goodness, he's never played with somebody like Devontae Adams, and the reason I just freaked out is because it dawned on me, Devontae Adams would be our, (laughs) he'd be our number two wide receiver. Oh, oh, let me continue here, ladies and gentlemen. 2015, 16 games, 1,000. 834 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's pushing 2,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns. We're trying to get Devontae to 1,000 and double-digit touchdowns. Getting all excited. I mean, we did it, but I'm just saying it's that was like a goal. Like, hey, maybe we can get to 1,000 yards this year. That'd be great, wouldn't it, guys? Yeah. Dude went for 1,700 and 1,800. 13 touchdowns and 10 touchdowns. 2016, he only played 15 games, still got 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. In 15 games. How about this one in 2017? He only played 14 games, got 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns. <laughs> in 14 games. Which, by the way, is um, three out of the last four years over 100 yards a game. Right? 14 games, 1,500 yards. 16 games, 1,800 yards. 16 games, 16, 1,698. That's over 100 yards a game. In 2016, it was 15 games, 1,284, which is less than 100, but it's still 1,200 in 15 games. 2018, 15 games, 1,297, and 15 touchdowns. He led the NFL in touchdowns this year. In 2017, he led the NFL in um, yards and yards per game. In 2015, he led the league in receptions. In 2014, he led the league in receptions and yards. And by the way... Some of these years, like, for example, in 2017 when he led the league in yards, 14 games. 2018, led the league in touchdowns, only played 15 games. He is as can't-miss as you'll find. Now, I've I've got reservations about Le'Veon. He's a freak. He's really, really good. He's all these things. But I'm kind of worried because... You've got a system, you've got a scheme, you've also got to have a coach that commits to him and knows how to use him and when to use him. You've got to use him as a receiver as well as a running back, and I didn't think McCarthy could do that. Maybe a guy like McDaniels or whoever can, I don't really know. There's also the question of the offensive line. They not only have a good offensive line, they have a very good run-blocking offensive line. We have a terrible run-blocking offensive line and a team that doesn't like to run the ball. A wide receiver is a wide receiver is a wide receiver. Granted, you can utilize him correctly or incorrectly, but there's less variables for me. It's not a matter of, you know, how much is your offensive line. There's, there's really just two components. There's you beating the guy in front of you, whether that's speed or route running or whatever it is, and then there's the quarterback throwing you the ball. If you can beat the guy in front of you and your quarterback can get the ball to you, you're, that, that's it. You win. That's it. And that was the case. He beat the guy in front of him always, and Roethlisberger consistently got him the ball. It's just, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer in my mind. Now, please understand, that doesn't mean we're going to get him because there's 32 teams, including the Steelers, that want him on their team. But again, from my perspective, I would say there's obviously less than a 50% chance we get him just because of the amount of competition, but I do think the, the, the Packers are one of the better teams out there. And I know for a fact Antonio Brown wants to play for the Packers more than he wants to play for the Raiders. Not that he has a ton to say about it, but again, before you make a trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you have to talk to Antonio Brown, you have to talk to his agent, you have to say, like, are we good here or what's going on? And especially if we're not talking about renegotiating a contract, the only thing that matters is where am I living and do I have a chance of winning, right? Those are the only two variables that matter. Right, if I have a choice of team to pick and I just want to live kind of comfortably, okay, give me a house in Florida, California, you know, play for a you know, nice, nice little warm weather thing by the ocean, kind of live it up. You know, If I'm Antonio Brown, maybe I want to live close to a city so I can go out and do things I shouldn't be doing. Maybe I don't want to go to Green Bay. Nothing to do in Green Bay. I mean, I, it's a good place for. I'd rather be in Green Bay. I don't like cities. But most of these guys like to go out and have fun. Not really a Green Bay thing. Now, on the other hand, if you want to win Super Bowls, you want to be a champion, you want to be all these things, which I would assume he does, because I'm guessing a lot of this temper tantrum stuff is boiled up over the fact that they are not winning, or that they are, but, you know, didn't get into the playoffs. So anyways, that uh, it took a little longer than I had anticipated, but that's sort of my thought on it. There are some variables. Um, I think the biggest one, the biggest, one of the biggest is, is the... The variable that I'm not sure about, and that is the contract situation, which I'm pretty sure I'm correct, but would he kind of make demands? Because again, even though teams can make a trade whether he likes it or not, he still has the ability to cross his arms and say, no, I'm not playing for you either. So you got to make sure he's on board, and I'd like to hear what he has to say about that. Which, by the way, I just woke up this morning and saw a tweet that said he was on The Masked Singer, which is one of those shows that I just will never watch, but I saw that. And it kind of just blew my mind a little bit, but apparently he's off busy right now. We'll see how he feels when he comes back from, if he ever comes back from going out and partying and being on TV and doing whatever he's doing. But it would be nice to get a little bit of clarification on what he's looking for. Now, I will say there's a good chance that, because a lot of this sounds like he just kind of blew up in practice. He blew up, he took off, he cut off communication. Maybe part of it had to do with this whole television thing. It's like, dude, I'm busy. I'm not talking to you right now. I need to go cool off. And he'll come back and he'll be like, no, I'm good, we're good, let's just go out and win. So I would say the the, the most likely scenario is that the Steelers retain him, but that has to be in, you know, in concert with Antonio Brown saying, yeah, I'm going to come back and play, sorry, I got angry, Ben frustrates me, Tomlin never gets my side, he's always backing Ben, you know, I needed to go pout somewhere for a little bit. But I'm good, we're good. But if he's not going to play there anymore... What are his demands, I guess, is sort of one of the questions. Where does he want to play? Is he going to want a contract extension? Is he going to want a team to renegotiate? That's what it's going to be is a renegotiation, because it's not a contract negotiation. It's this is your contract, and I'm buying your contract. But again, I'm willing to renegotiate with you. You need to have Antonio Brown on board. Even though he doesn't have any pull, he does have pull. But then the other thing is, is Gutekunst willing to pull the trigger on a guy like this who, um, he's kind of his own guy, right? It, you know, there, there were reports that he had got this, like, dietitian slash Brazilian jiu-jitsu trainer guy or whatever. It's actually very similar to what happened with Tom Brady, but he kind of had access to the facilities. He was showing up on the field and all this kind of stuff, and it's it becomes one of those things where it's nobody likes it, but he's one of the superstars, so you don't want to tell him what to do. And that kind of came to a head and came to a boiling over point. And, you know, regardless of what happened with Pittsburgh, that's the kind of guy you're getting. He's a diva. He's he's whatever. Now, me personally, listen, divas make the best receivers anyways. Is he going to be a headache? Yeah, probably at times. Is he going to make headlines that we don't like here in Green Bay? Yeah, probably at times. But you know what? He's going to make a lot more highlight reels than headlines. And if that means people rolling their eyes because he flies a helicopter into the, the training facility, then, uh, you know, whatever. As long as he's getting 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns, I don't think I care very much. If our team is, you know, <laughs> if our offense is Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown and Devonte Adams with David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley, maybe hopefully Brian Balaga, Yeah, I personally would rather retain him because he's a very good tackle and it's not very easy to go out and just find right tackles that are going to start and be awesome. And Aaron Jones, if I didn't say him already. So three stud offensive linemen, two of the top, I mean, you've got an easy top five wide receiver and a top ten wide receiver. A lot of people would say two top five. I don't really care. It's not worth arguing about. Best wide receiver duo, not just in the NFL because that's not debatable, We're kind of looking back over the course of history saying, has there ever been anything like this? Then you pair that with Aaron Rodgers, and you look at that as a quarterback, wide receiver group, never, ever, 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 ever has there been anything like this. And then, here's the other thing, let's just say we do hire McDaniels, and we look even remotely close to what the Pittsburgh Steelers look like. One of the most underrated things about the Patriots is their ability to... Just make running backs freaks. It doesn't matter who they are. They go out and they get guys, and they're just random guys like Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis, I think in 2017, according to Pro Football Focus, was the number one running back in the NFL. He's not even the number one running back on the Patriots right now, or on the, the Titans right now. They, they've got an incredible ability to make stuff work. Maybe not as, as, you know, it's not exactly an air raid West Coast offense, but I'm just saying, he's going to come into a great offensive line, a better running back than he's had in a while, easily the best. I mean, nobody's worked with wide receivers like this ever, but easily a better wide receiver group than he's ever had, and Aaron Rodgers is as talented or more talented than Tom Brady is. Pretty much anybody should be able to make this thing work. I'm just saying, if McDaniels is the guy, whether you like him or not, the, the, the only question is, and this is the question for everybody, can he make the Packers like the Patriots? Maybe not identical, But is he going to bring that here, or do the Patriots stuff, does that system, does that look and feel stay in New England, or does any of that actually transfer with McDaniels? Because if we look like the Patriots, there's no question I want him signed yesterday. Everybody wants to be the Patriots. That's a no-brainer. It's just a matter of whether or not you believe it. I don't know if I believe it. I'm just saying if that's the case, I mean, it's just, it's game over. And we're going to get four Super Bowls as long as we have Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams. And, and the other thing on top of that would be, not only do we get back to just insane, insane offensive production, but we can focus our energy on defense again, like we've been doing for a long time. But our first pick, unquestionably, we're going defense, probably edge rusher in, in the second round. Same thing. you know. Maybe we pick up a, a guard somewhere in the third, fourth round. But it's going to look like a lot of our prior drafts were overwhelmingly, especially at the beginning, it's all... Uh, defense. And nobody cares. Nobody's going to be upset. Nobody's going to say we should be investing more in offense because if you're upset about our offense with three really good offensive linemen, a really good running back, and two of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers, you're never going to be satisfied with an offense. You're just never going to be happy, ever. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm absolutely all in on Antonio Brown. He's just a... It's not just that he's really good, it's that he's also very consistent. He's always been the best or one of the best. He's never even had a down year. He's, he's again, he's performed, he's, he's broken season records when he doesn't even play a full season. More targets, more yards, more touchdowns, and he's playing 14, 15 games, which is, which is another good thing because even though he hasn't played 16 games since 2015, he hasn't played less than 14. So 15, 14, 15, 16, 16, 14. I'm sorry, let me say that again. I read that wrong. 15, 14, 15, 16, 16, 16. So he maybe misses a game. Again, 2017, he missed two, but he still <laughs> he still had the most yards and the most yards per game of anybody in the NFL. Obviously, most yards per game if you have the most yards and you only played 14 games. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll uh, keep an open mind. Maybe some people will bring some different things to my attention. I'm not going to get too hyped up about it, even though I'm getting myself pretty riled up right now. Because again, there's a, I would say, I don't know if I'd say better than 50%, but I would say it's at or close to 50% in my mind that he's going to be a Steeler next year. So then you have 31 other teams fighting for, you know, 45%. So anyways, that's uh, that kind of a situation. But uh, like I said, I also want to take a look really quickly at what we have going on with our salary cap, looking at that June 1st designation situation. So first of all, Nick Perry and everybody's just kind of assuming, yeah, he needs to go bye-bye. The biggest problem though, if we cut him, you know, today or try to trade him, which who knows what you get for Nick Perry, but his current cap number is $14.4 million. We only save $3 million of that, meaning $11 million of his current contract still stays with the team. So we would not have him and we only get $3 million out of it. So it's not like we're saving a whole big pile of money here. Now, I would assume most people are frustrated to the point where they say, I don't care. I want him gone anyways. Because remember, it's... I guess just how you look at it. I, I look at this and I say we're spending 11 million dollars not to have him. Most people probably look at this as we're getting three million dollars to cut him. I guess either way kind of makes sense. I think I'm technically correct, but when you look at it from the standpoint of it's we we can't go back on the purchase. It is what it is. Here's how much money we have. We either ship him off for three and get three million dollars. And I listen. I do think he has trade value. I think he you know he's a first round draft pick. He's uh, 29, or will be this year. I'm not sure when he turns 29. Uh, You know, physically gifted. He had one or two decent years, one very good year. Somebody might take a flyer on him. We could maybe get something out of him. Probably not very much. Not really sure. But there could be some value there. We could end up getting, you know, I don't know, what do you get for Nick Perry? A fifth, a sixth? I don't know. His contract isn't that bad. I mean, if, If you look on what the other team would have to take the base salary of it, in 2019, his base salary is 5.2 million. 2020, 9.6. 2021, 9.4. But anyways, getting back to the numbers, the the good thing though is we only saved three million this year, which three is three million, right? We if we have, let's say 40, it goes to 43. Sweet, cool. Plus, if you look at a guy like Antonio Brown, if we're paying him 12, it's kind of like we're paying him nine now. We trade Perry for, and yeah, maybe it could be a one to one, but I, I I don't. There's no point in even assuming that fine we'll, we'll give you our first and Nick Perry how about that but the real bonus here is in 2020 and 2021 that's 14 in 2020 14.3 million off the books in 2021 14.1 million dollars completely off the books if we save it until after june 1st whether it's cut or trade we save ourselves 10.7 million dollars this year now again that's pretty great in a year like this if we really want to go all in we could go all in and on some of our um, on, or some other free agents. Now, we'd have to wait until after June 1st for the, for the check to clear, but we've got a little extra money to play with. And we could also know that this money's coming, so we don't have to be super careful. We can say, okay, we have $2 million left on our cap. You know, if we sign this guy, which is less than we want, or it'll bring us to zero or whatever, but we know we're going to get 10.7 after this. The problem, however, is that we take a $7.4 million hit next year, which is still basically a $7 million savings from keeping Nick Perry, but it's, it's just a question of... Do you want three million this year and then you get to save fourteen over the next two years, or do you want ten million this year, but only a seven million dollar savings next year and then he's off the books and you get fourteen million? I guess I don't care. And considering he has potential trade value and you know three million dollars to use in free agency as opposed to ten million after the free agency period, plus he's completely off the books in 2020 and 2021, probably just just dump him, dump him, trade him, whatever take the 3 million and run. Again, we got to take an 11 million dollar bath which hurts because I mean, you want it you want as much money as you can possibly get. And 11 million dollars for a guy that isn't playing, that hurts. And you you have to account for your roster and you have got I don't know. It's it's not a great situation, but I understand the idea of just moving him early. Because again, now if if we kind of look at okay, what are our free, what's our free agent situation? This year we don't really have anybody Maybe we want to bring back Muhammad Wilkerson if he's willing to take you know, I don't know four million three million probably couldn't hurt, I guess. Clay's gone, Randall's gone. You know Mercedes Lewis and Lance Kendricks are up for contract. I don't want either of them. Don't really want Jimmy either for that matter. We'll talk about Jimmy Graham. That's another one we got to talk about. but either way, you know let's say we keep Lance Kendricks fine. He's a two million dollar tight end. who cares? but Byron Bell, no Devon House no Bashad Breeland will probably resign. Who knows how that's going to end up financially. He may want, and that's, I don't know, that's a tough one. He may be jumping up and saying, okay, I want my paycheck now. I want my $5 million, I want my $10 million, I want whatever. I want to get paid. I came out. I proved my worth, even though he wasn't as good as a lot of Packer fans want to believe he was, whatever. He stepped up in a short situation, didn't have a lot of time to prepare, was one of the better players on the team. You want me, you're paying me, but that's for another day. Bottom line is not a lot of people here asking for a lot of money. Jake Ryan, maybe. I'd like to retain him, but what's he going to be worth? $2 million, $3 million? He's not going to get a boatload of money. Geronimo, you know, I mean, listen, you start getting too greedy, you're getting nothing. Tanyan, I'd like to keep him, but he's not going to get very much. In 2020, however, we've got some bigger names. Now, some of these guys might be gone, but here's the situation. Mike Daniels. I've said that maybe if his play continues to decline, maybe he's not staying, but this is a $10 million guy. If we decide to re-sign him, he's going to want a lot of money. Maybe even less than that, but still, what is it going to be? Seven? Brian Balaga. Probably gone, but maybe he's not. There, Listen, there's 36, 35-year-old tackles in the NFL right now. It's not a foregone conclusion. I don't think his play has really declined. I know he's injured a decent amount, but he's still one of the better pass-blocking tackles in the NFL. I'd like to retain him if possible. Tramon Williams, more than likely gone, but another big money guy, Mason Crosby. I don't want to lose Mason Crosby. He's a four million dollar kicker. We might have to pay him like five. How about Kenny Clark? How much money is he gonna get? Seventeen, eighteen million dollars. So twenty twenty could be a little bit more expensive. Jason Spriggs, probably gonna be gone, but we'll see. Kyler Fackrell, we plan on keeping this guy. What's he gonna be? Seven, eight, nine. Dean Lowry. Guy's pretty good. I'd like to keep him. Blake Martinez. He's not going anywhere. How about Tony Brown? Tyler Lancaster. All these guys are up for a contract in 2020, which, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing if we're going to purge guys to do it this year and take the cap hit. So, Nick Perry, Brian Balaga, Jimmy Graham, because we take the hit now, then we get a ton of money saved in 2020. We can resign. Mike Daniels and Mason Crosby and Kenny Clark and Kyler Fackrell and Dean Lowry and Blake Martinez, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna be the end of the world. Again, we clear 14 million dollars right off the books for 2020. That's that's almost gonna be enough to just re-sign Kenny Clark right there. It's not gonna be enough, but it's almost gonna be enough. If we look at Jimmy Graham, uh, in 2019 his cap hit is 12 million dollars. I'm sorry, no, just no. I understand we're in a tight spot with, with tight end, but Jimmy Graham adds almost no value to this team. I'm not giving him $12 million. Now, if we cut him, we're talking cut or trade, and in, this is another guy who probably has some trade value. Not a ton anymore, but some. Just something to consider. But we essentially free up $5.3 million. This year, we save $11.6 million next year. You take Jimmy Graham... And again, if we if we're paying if we're cutting them today, we save the entirety of the, the dead cap money or the, the cap number for next year is entirely off the books if we cut them prior to June 1st. So we've got 11.6 from Jimmy Graham and we've got what did I say? 14.3 from Nick Perry. These are big money guys that we get off our contract that are pr- producing zero value. So in 2020 we get 20 like what 26 million dollars in available cash to not have Jimmy Graham and Nick Perry, yes please. That's that's Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark's contracts right there. Done. Off the books, ready to roll. If we go the other way, however, essentially what we do because there's only 2 years left, there's nothing to accelerate into 2020. So it's just splitting the cost evenly. So if we do a post June 1st, whether you know, maybe we could trade the guy whatever, it's going to be $3 million in dead cap money, which means we save 9 million overall. Next year, it's going to be another $3.6 million, and we would save um, $8 million in cap money. So it's still not bad. It goes from, what, 25 or 26 down to $20 a little over 20000000 million. That'll at least get us Kenny Clark. Brian Balaga's in the final year of his deal, so there's nothing really to talk about here. We don't save anything if we cut him post-June 1st because there is no June. I mean, there, there is no essentially next year to consider. So it's it's one point six million dollars in dead cap money. However, his total cap number is eight point three five million. So six point seven million dollars is what we would free up by moving on from Brian Balaga. Another guy that does have some trade value. But he's off the books either way next year. That's not even being accounted for so it doesn't help us beyond this year. So essentially we're only doing two things. We're helping ourselves this year with additional cap space if we want to, you know, go all in with some big money guys. It also ensures that we're not signing him in 2020, which saves us that money in kind of a weird upside-down, inside-out kind of way. The only other guy that's that's costing us any amount of money that we could, you know, free up a little bit if we decide we don't want him anymore would be Tremont Williams. I know a lot of people aren't probably going to like that idea all that much. We'll have to see, though. Um, we're probably going to hang on to him. I don't think we're actually going to do it. I'm just trying to find all the people I can think of that would be worth getting rid of because they're worth, any you know any amount of money but he's 6.375 million dollars counting against our cap it's not that bad 1.6 of that is uh is money that we owe meaning we could save uh 4 and 3 quarters of a million 4.75 million dollars if we decide to let Tremon walk so essentially i'm changing my opinion on a lot of these guys i thought that most of them were going to be post june 1st because it's just so much money in one year and it is true But what it does is get all the money off the books for 2020. And considering we've got guys like Kenny Clark who are going to be big money guys, it wouldn't be the worst thing to kind of clean out the books for next year. Because otherwise, again, everything accelerates into next year. So Perry's remaining however many years goes flying into next year. We owe that. That's money off the books, next. I mean, on the books next year. So that had kind of hurt us. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting offseason. I think, I think there's a very good chance Jimmy's gone. I think there's a very good chance. Now that I'm understanding this stuff, I think there's actually a really good chance that they're gone. As much as I looked at it and said it's, it's prohibitive based on their contract because we owe so much. At the same time, the fact that we can cleanse it from our books next year and the fact that we don't really want him on the team anyways and we get a little bit of extra money this year, just do it, man. Jimmy provides nothing to this team. Nick Perry provides nothing to this team. You made a mistake. You shouldn't have brought on Jimmy Graham. You shouldn't have signed Nick Perry to that contract extension, although you can't really blame him that much. He played out of his mind that year, even though I kind of warned against it. When a guy's terrible and plays one really good year and you sign him up like he's the best edge rusher in the NFL, that's got some risk to it. But whatever. Sometimes you swing, sometimes you miss. Got to make the best decisions based on where you're at now. You can't really go back and change the past. So yeah, I I think... um... And then I guess let's let's look at it very quickly. So if we're looking at uh, twenty nineteen, and it's different based on I don't I don't know why Over the Cap and Spot Track have different amounts of money, but I'll stick with over the cap right now. Forty four million one hundred and thirty five thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars is the team cap space um, as of you know twenty nineteen, assuming everybody stays and no free agents are signed, et cetera, et cetera. Right? That's just the number. We have to figure it out from there. we got to sign draft picks. we got to sign free agents. And then we also have to make decisions about guys to cut, like Nick Perry. But let's just look at it and say we move on from from Perry and Graham. Essentially what that means is this year we have an additional $8.67 million to spend. Essentially what that would do is, is sign our draft picks. Probably wouldn't even need all that much, but, but whatever. The, so the total number would then be $52,806,000 in cap space to spend money. So if you're looking at a guy like Antonio Brown and still want to get an edge rusher, let's just say, this is going to help pretty tremendously. What up, dance party? It's going to help because if Antonio Brown is still just going to take his garbage $12 million or whatever, that essentially just brings us back down to $40 million. If you sign a pretty good edge rusher for 20, I don't know, I mean, a guy of Khalil Max caliber isn't available, so I'm not even going to say 25 million, but say he costs 22, 20 on the books this year. That brings us down to 20 million. That's pretty much what we were playing with all of last year. So we got a B and a pass rusher, and 20 million dollars left. And then, in additional benefit, um, in 2020, we have an additional, basically, 26 million dollars off of our books. So that'll help pretty tremendously. And again, it just it, it just makes a lot of sense. We've already got decent money. If we're if we're going to take a bath, this would be a good year to do it. Cut these guys, and then in 2020, you know, the amount of money that's going to save us to not have these guys on there is going to be astronomical. Again, $26 million. I mean, we're essentially funding Aaron Rodgers for the year just by not having Jimmy Graham and uh, and Nick Perry. So anyways, um, not really going to be able to dive into coaches at all. There's not really a ton of, of new news anyways. Uh, apparently, the Packers want to interview the Saints offensive coordinator, so that's somebody else we need to look into. Um, but I will say this, I would encourage you to get in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group so that you can, you know, have your voice heard on this coaching thing, uh, the, the poll I created. Because basically, there's only um, there's only seven coaches that have any votes whatsoever. Dan Campbell, Pete Carmichael, Eric Bieniemy, and Jim Harbaugh all have one vote. Joe Witt Jr. has three votes. Adam Gase... Has four. Josh McDaniels has eighteen. So I'm going to keep it open, and we can talk more in depth. I'm actually pretty surprised. I'm I'm shocked that Adam Gase is in second, even though I've I've said on this, um, on the show that I think he's actually done a above average job. I don't know if he's going to be a great head coach or what his ceiling is. But again, the Miami Dolphins were a trash team. I said coming into 2019, I don't see them winning a single game, and um, they obviously did well well beyond my expectations. But uh, also shocked to see Josh McDaniels, just the overwhelming favorite. I kind of was getting the impression from Packers Twitter that he was very disliked. But maybe the point is, (laughs) you just have a lot of people who are anti, because there are a lot of people that way. Like, oh, he's garbage, and here's why he's garbage, but nobody really wants to offer solutions. In other words, okay, then pick somebody, and everybody just said no. (laughs) So you got 18 people that like him, 700 people that don't, but don't have a solution as to who would be better. But if you do... The name is probably on the list. If it's not on the list, you can add it to the list. Just go ahead and vote for whoever you want: John Harbaugh, Matt Lafleur, Lincoln Riley, Matt Munchak, Brian Flores, Zach Taylor, Jim Caldwell, whoever you want it to be. Just don't do something ridiculous. I mean, if you actually want Brett Favre, fine. I'm not going to delete that. But if you say me or something, I'm you know, I'm I'm going to delete it, man. I mean, if you say me as in pac Daddy, that can stay. That's fine. If you say me as in you, no, no, no. That that's not going to fly. <laughs> No, I mean, I don't don't put me. I'm I'm going to delete that too. But anyways, uh, hopefully that was a little bit insightful. Some of you probably already knew that and didn't know why I was saying things incorrectly. But for those that didn't, uh, I felt like that was a pretty useful bit of information. Again, any questions, comments, concerns? Actually, just questions. I don't want comments and concerns. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter or something with comments or concerns. The uh, the phone line is for questions only. But uh, if you got any questions about it, be sure to ask. Otherwise, you folks enjoy your Thursday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye.